Hallelujah. Praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time for the study of the word. Here we study the Bible and we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. By the grace of God, we've done 25 books of the Bible. And if you've not been able to listen to the podcasts we've done straight from the book of Genesis you can find them on our app, that's Bible In-Depth Network. All, you can find them on all podcast platforms, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. Name it, you will find all the podcasts there. And I believe that the Lord shall speak to you as you read the word. The Lord shall speak to you as you listen because there is no limitation to revelation. God reveals his word to everybody who shows the need and i believe the lord shall speak to you just go out and talk to him he will indeed come and he will speak to you we are handling the book of ezekiel and uh, right now we have done eight chapters i want us to continue today with chapter nine starts by saying then he cried out in my hearing with a loud voice saying draw near O executioners of the city each will destroy each with his destroying weapon in his hand. At this point, remember, in chapter 8, we saw the fact that um, Ezekiel is taken in the spirit and taken to see what's happening down at the temple of Jerusalem. And people were worshipping other things. People were worshipping other gods. People had taken, even leaders big, the big ones that are supposed to lead the society, were instead looking to other gods and not worshipping the almighty God himself. And guess where they were doing this from? From his own temple, in his sanctuary, where he dwelt. That's where they were worshipping from. So now he starts by saying, Then he cried out in my hearing the loud voice saying, Draw near. He, they're talking about God. Draw near, O executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand. Behold, Six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces the north, each with his shattering weapon in his hand. And among them was a certain man clothed in linen, with a writing case at his loins. And then, and they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Then the glory of God of Israel went up from the cherub on which it had been to the threshold of the temple, left the front, came to the back close to the entrance. And he called to the man clothed in linen, at whose loins was the writing case. He says, The Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over the abominations which are being committed in its midst. God is telling this man, go out and put a mark. Go and put a mark on those that have decided to stay loyal. Go and put a seal on those who have decided to walk with me. Those who are against his abominations, they're the ones he's telling him. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them 
that are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We are sealed in Christ. We are sealed off. When abominations are going everywhere and moving in all corners, we are sealed off in Christ. We have this seal. There is that tag of salvation upon you that guarantees you eternal life. And here, what's happening down in Jerusalem, as far as what um, Ezekiel is seeing, there is a seal, there is a mark that is placed upon the people of God, the people who decide to walk with God, the people who are against this habit of worshipping other gods against these abominations. Exodus chapter 12 verse 7, the Lord said to him, Exodus chapter 12 verse 7 says, And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper post of the houses wherein they shall eat. This is the night of the Passover, the night of uh, the night where the Israelites had to get blood of the lamb and place it around their doorpost. This was a seal. This was a mark that they placed that when the angel passed by that night where the firstborn of all would die in Egypt, those that had the seal would be safe. And that's the same thing that happens here in this case that Ezekiel is talking about, that there is a mark, there is a seal on the foreheads of those who groan over abominations that are being committed in the land. Those who decide to say we shall not walk like the rest, but rather we want to walk with the Lord. There is a mark upon them. And there is that mark of the blood of the Lamb upon your life that sets you apart from everything else, that sets you apart from the habits of the world, that sets you apart from the abominations of the world. This is what sets you free. So God says, put, tells that man, Go out, put a mark on each of them that has stayed loyal to me. Because that is the one that saves you. The blood of the Lamb is the mark that saves you. The blood of Jesus is the mark that saves you from destruction, that saves you from perishing, that gives you eternal life. That mark upon your life. That even when the enemy sees, he flees. So that's the mark that we talk about, that we long for to have it upon our lives. And here, he says in verse 5, but to the others, he said, in my hearing, go through the city after him. Now he's telling these others that came with a man who is dressed in white linen. Yeah? He says to the rest, go through the city after him. When he goes, it's just like you see the case was with the with Egypt and Israel, with that night where the firstborn were killed, he says, first is the one who leads the way, the one dressed in linen, with a mark placed upon those that God has chosen, those who walk with him. Then after him, he tells these other men that came with him, go through the city after him and strike. Do not let your eye have pity and do not spare. Strike everyone without the mark. Utterly slay old men, young men, maidens, little children, and women. 
and do not touch any man on whom is the mark. And you shall start from my sanctuary. So they started with the elders who were before the, the temple. Now, it is time for destruction. And this is a sad thing. It is starting from the temple. It is starting from the temple. There is destruction that's coming. And it will start. It will not spare. Everybody who has not believed has to face the destruction. Revelation chapter 9 verse 4. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God on their foreheads. Do you have the seal? Do you have the seal on your forehead? Here an angel is being told in in Revelation to go out and carry destruction only those who do not have the seal. Do you have the mark of the blood of the Lamb? Do you have the mark of Christ? Because with it, you survive destruction. Here they say, old men, young men, maidens, little children, women, everybody without that mark, destroy. And it starts from the temple. This is one thing that brings us to caution, that even in the sanctuary, even at the center of worship, there are people, there are ministers, there are those who worship God, there are those who lead the flock that's wrong. So he says, from here, start from here in the temple where you are and go destroy. Start from there and walk through the city. Start from the center of worship. Start from the place where the leaders are. Start by destroying the elders. Then you go into the city because it is you. The Bible says that the punishment of you leaders shall be harder, stiffer, stronger judgment because God has entrusted you with leadership. So he says, start from there. And he said to them, defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. Thus they went out and struck down the people in the city. As they were striking the people, and I alone was left, I fell on my face and cried out, saying, Alas, Lord God, are you destroying the whole remnant of Israel by pouring out your wrath on Jerusalem? Hmm? He's coming out to speak Ezekiel, saying, Then he said to me, God says to Ezekiel, the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is very, very great. And the land is filled with blood and the city is full of perversion. For they say the Lord has forsaken the land and the Lord does not see. But as for me, my eye will have no pity, nor will I spare. But I'll bring their conduct on their foreheads. Then behold, the man clothed with linen and whose loins was a writing case reported saying, I have done just as you have commanded me. He came back and said, I have marked those. It was a quick process because as they are still speaking, his back. Saying, I've marked those means there are not even many. There were few. I've marked those who will survive this iniquity that is coming. This judgment that is going to be poured out on these people. He's done marking them. Chapter 10, Then I looked and behold, in the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, 
something like a sapphire stone in appearance resembling a throne appeared above them. And he spoke to the man clothed in linen and said, Enter between the whirling wheels under the cherubim and fill your hands with coals of fire from between the cherubim and scatter them all over the city. And he entered in my sight. Now, the cherubim was standing on the right side of the temple when the man entered and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub to the threshold of the temple and the temple was filled with a cloud and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. Moreover, the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. It came about when he commanded the man clothed in linen, saying, Take fire from between the whirling winds and from between the cherubim. He entered and stood beside a wheel. Then the cherub stretched out his hand from between the cherubim to the fire which was between the cherubim took some and put it into the hands of the one clothed in linen, who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of a man's hand under their wings. Then I looked, and behold, four wheels beside the cherubim, one wheel beside each cherub, and the appearance of the wheels were like the gleam of a touchy stone. As for their appearance, all four of them had the same likeness, as if one wheel were within another wheel. When they moved, they went in, on in, they went in any of their four directions without turning, as they went. But they followed in the direction which they faced, without turning, as they went. Their whole body, their backs, their hands, their wings, and the wheels were full of eyes all round. The wheels belonging to all four of them. The wheels were called in my hearing the whirling winds, and each one had four faces. The first face, the face of a cherub, the second, the face of a man, the third, the face of a lion, and the fourth, the face of an eagle, something like we saw in chapter 1 when we were studying. Then the cherub rose up. They are the living beings that I saw by the river Chiba, just like he saw in the start at the beginning. The same thing he is seeing right now. When... When the cherubim stood still, the wheels would stand still. And when they rose up, the wheels would rise with them. For the spirit of the living beings was in them. Just like you saw at the beginning, it's more or less the same thing he's seeing right now in his uh, being carried away into the temple of Jerusalem. Then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. When the cherubim departed, they lifted their wings and rose up from the earth by my sight with the wheels beside them. And they stood still at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the Lord of Israel hovered over them. These are the living beings that I saw beneath the God of Israel by the river Chiba. So I knew that they were cherubim. Yeah? So he saw them before. This is just uh, a redo or something he's seeing for the second time. Each one had four faces and each one four wings. And beneath their wings was the form of the human hands. As for the likeness of their faces, they were the same faces as those whose appearance I had seen at the river Chiba. Each one went straight ahead. Moreover, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house, which faced eastward. And behold, 
There were 25 men at the entrance of the gate. Remember those ones we saw last time who were prostrating themselves? Facing the east. We talked about the religion that does that even today. And behold, there were 25 men at the entrance of the gate. And among them I saw Jazaniah, son of Azua, and Pelatia, son of Beniah, leaders of the people. He said to me, son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and give evil advice in the city, who say the time is not near to build houses. Remember, there were prophets who would send message to those in Babylon in captivity. Tell them, guys, you don't have to build because God is bringing you back soon. He's delivering you back to your land soon. These were the false prophets that they're talking about here. They would send message to people. Remember, while they were there, they are told, guys, settle down, build houses, because your captivity is 70 years. So there were people who are now sending messages back to Babylon and telling them, no, your time is coming when God is going to call you back. You don't have to settle there. These are some of the men that they are talking about here. This, is, this city is the port and we are the flesh. Therefore, prophesy against them, son of man. Prophesy, tells him. Then the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and he said to me, Say, thus says the Lord, So you think, house of Israel, for I know your thoughts. You have multiplied your slain in the city, filling its streets with them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, your slain whom you have laid in the midst of the city are the flesh, and this city is the pot. But I'll bring you out of it. You have feared a sword, so I'll bring a sword upon you, the Lord declares. And I'll bring you out of the midst of the city and deliver you into the hands of strangers and execute judgments against you. You will fall by the sword. I'll judge you to the border of Israel so that you shall know that I am the Lord. This city will not be a port for you, nor will you be flesh in the midst of it, but I'll judge you to the border of Israel. It says, hey, I'm also coming for you now. The captor is coming. Practically, is coming for you. Thus, you will know that I'm the Lord. For you have not walked in my statutes. You have not executed my ordinances, but have acted according to the ordinances of the nations around you. You have taken on the character of the world. You have taken on the habits of the surrounding. You have taken on the leading of those who are not of Christ. So judgment always comes. Now it came about, as I prophesied, that Pelatia, the son of Beniah, died. Then I fell on my face and cried out with a loud voice and said, Alas, Lord God, will you bring the remnant of Israel to a complete end? Hmm? Even the one who was prophesying Ezekiel. So what happened to the one he was prophesying to who fell dead and says, Oh God, shall we have a remnant? Yeah. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, hmm? Your brothers, your relatives, your fellow exiles, and the whole house of Israel, all of them are those whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Go far from the Lord. This land has been given us as a possession. Therefore, say, thus says the Lord, Though I had removed them far away among the nations, and though I had scattered them among the countries, Yet I was a sanctuary for them a little while in their countries when they had gone. Therefore say, thus says the Lord, I'll gather you from the peoples 
and assemble you out of the countries among which you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. He's saying, don't worry. A time shall come, and I shall bring you back. Israel at this point has been scattered to the farthest of lands, as far as Africa, as far as India, in parts of Europe. At that point, they have been scattered. Remember, these were regions with which the superpowers, like Assyria, like Persia, like Babylon, like the Greeks who were to come, like the Romans, had control over. They were controlling the whole world. And when they would come and conquer you, they would send you as far as they wanted. Yeah? Why do you do that? Why do they do that? They want to break their spirit. But God promises them and says, I will bring you back. Now, until very many years to come, this was not something that was going to just happen soon. He brought them back, yes. Some came back, but many remained scattered. And we see through history, even in recent history, 1948, until then that Israel was made a nation again, and people moved from the lands, people from Germany, people from, they came back to make the state of Israel, just until recently, yeah? But the word of the Lord will be seen to completion. He does not die. It doesn't matter how many years this would take. There is a promise here that they have been given that he will give them back the land of Israel. It had been taken. We shall look at it in detail in the near future and how Israel gets back to the land straight until 1948 when they are made a nation, a land that has been taken, a land that had been taken, having been given to them. God still promises here and says, I'll give it back to you. When they come there, they will remove all its detestable things and all its abominations from it. Yeah, because that would have been planted there. By those that came, by those that joined in, assimilated into their society, he says, when those come back, they'll remove all those things and I'll give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. Wow. Isn't that what we all need? For God to bring a refreshment over your life. He's making a promise to them. I'll give them one heart. There shall not be divisions among them. There shall not be conflicts. They will have one heart. There will be one group. And I'll put a new spirit within them. And I'll take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Why? That they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. He promises and says, this captivity shall end. And when I bring you back, you shall be a new breed that is hard to comprehend. The stubbornness in your heart won't be there. That's what God does when he comes into your life. He gives you the Holy Spirit and he breaks you down. He talks to you. He counsels you. He gives you direction. He tells you what to do and what not to do. He is the one who guides you. He makes your heart soft. The hardness of heart, the stubbornness of heart is because 
we have not given room for the Holy Spirit to work. That when he speaks, we reject his word. When he comes and says, do not do that, we do that which he said we do not do. When he gives us counsel, we listen to others and not the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And God here tells the Israelites that, guys, when that day comes and you've served your captivity, you've served your time, I shall give you a heart of flesh. The heart of stone shall be taken away. How I pray that God gives us such a heart that when we read his word, we listen to his word. We do just as the word tells us to do. That's a heart of flesh. That we take out stubbornness, kick out stubbornness, kick out things that don't make sense. But listen to the things of God because they always make sense. And each and every one of us has this with you. God has given you his Holy Spirit. If you accept him, he gives you the Holy Spirit to guide you. And here, he tells them, I'll change everything about you guys. And he says, then, at that time, when their hearts are no longer of stone, they will be my people, and I shall be their God. But as for those whose hearts go after their detestable things and abominations, I'll bring their conduct down on their Heads, declares the Lord. It is two-way. Those who listen, they'll be my people, I'll be their God. Those who don't, he says, I'll bring their conduct down on their heads. Those who do detestable things, those who do abominations, and we know these things. Yeah, We know such a life. We know such habits. And God is saying, those who do those face judgment, face suffering, face affliction. And the time is coming and it is soon when they will divide the line between those with the mark and those without the mark. Those who accepted Christ and walked with him, you know, sometimes we accept Christ and we continue walking like the devil. When Christ comes into your life, everything changes. Everything transforms. You don't remain the same. Christ comes, life changes. Christ comes, sin is kicked out. Christ comes, your heart becomes that of flesh and not the hard one of stone. When Christ comes into your life, there will be evidence that there's been a change in your life. This is what happens for everybody out there. When Christ came into your life, there's a change. That is demanded of you. Then the cherubim lifted up their wings with the hills beside them, and the glory of the Lord of Israel hovered over them. The glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood over the mountain which was east of the city. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God to the exiles in Chaldea. So the vision that I had seen left me. Then I told the exiles all the things that the Lord had shown me. Remember, everything that we've looked at in the past two chapters is in a vision. Ezekiel was carried 
from his land of captivity and taken back home to see what was happening. And now he's been taken back home. Taken back to his current home, which is in captivity, in Chaldea, in Babylon, where his fellow exiles are. And he's been taken back from his trip to see what he had seen. And he sits them down and says, guys, this is what is happening back home. And I'm afraid to say it's not good news. But rather, there's punishment that is coming because the people who we left back home are doing their own things. The temple that you knew is in a totally different state. They worship as they want. They do what they want. They are doing evil and judgment has come out for them. And he goes back to Babylon and tells them what he saw in a vision. They must have been trembling. They must be, have been afraid. But there was a message of hope that one day there is a promise that we shall get back to our land. Because God, when he promises, he fulfills. When he sends out his word to you, he fulfills. And when he says that Israel one day you shall get back your land, indeed, they will. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation. We pray that you help us walk with you, stand for you, and live this life of salvation.